Awesome. Well, um, it's appropriate that we have a high chair on the stage today, mostly because it's got a seatbelt. How many of you remember these? How many of you are from that era when you didn't need seatbelts? Okay, well, you're still going to need a seatbelt today, so go ahead and buckle up. If you need a five-point harness, you know, the kind that keep you from going anywhere, the roller coaster kind, um, I have the rare and unique opportunity to say something today that has the potential to offend everybody in the room. That's why I said, buckle up. I need to get my laptop. I packed it away up here so it wouldn't get stuck under the tablecloth and ripped off. You know that trick where they rip the tablecloth and everything stays on the table? I couldn't risk that with my laptop today. So I'm going to pull up my laptop and it's going to figure out who I am. Shannon has this cool iPad that he took with him to Colorado. So I have to make this see, making sure it's me, looking for me. Hi. Don't you love technology? You know what? These lights are making it so bright, it doesn't even recognize me. It wants a number. Man. Okay. I'm in. So are you. So I want to start today's message off um, by apologizing, stating my intentions on the front end. Like Shannon says, we're not trying to offend anyone. I'll tell you this, this is something that God has put in my heart, and he put it in my heart for a couple months. It's been kind of brewing. I told the team this morning as we were praying, I said, I've been pregnant with this message because it's been growing and growing. And can I tell you something? I didn't like it. I went, that's not nice. I'm, this is not, this message is not by me. This is messages for me. So, I'm putting on my seatbelt too, just so that you're aware. I have not arrived. I don't think Shannon has arrived either. I don't think that any of us have arrived. So this is not coming from a let me tell you how it is kind of a thing. We're going to go to the scripture and see what God says. You good? Okay. So uh, one of my favorite teachers, Dr. Henry Cloud, if you know Dr. Henry Cloud, he says, this is how you know if the message is for you. Reach down. If you've got a belly button, this one's for you. Reach down. Have you got a belly button? I mean, I'm not saying you can't find it. I'm just saying you had one, right? Okay. So um, before last Sunday, uh, God had already put this message on my heart, and um, it was an interesting thing because of how it just landed. So the title that God had put on my heart for this message is called Full House. And some of you are already drawing the lines together. If you didn't watch the original TV show, Full House, you wouldn't necessarily know who Bob Saget is, and you wouldn't know that when he passed away on Sunday last week, he, he uh, brought up a whole lot of memories for a whole lot of people. How many of you watched Full House? The Tanner families, the Tanneritos. Hola, hola, Tanneritos. No, I don't want to. I'm not her. I'm not her. Those of you who know who that is. Okay, so 
at the house, everybody's got a table, and there's lots of seats at the table. And every seat at the table is somebody who is loved, who is valued, who's accepted. No matter how old or how young they are, right? But there are different seats at the table. So let's take a look around the table. So we got the baby. If you watched Full House, who was in this chair? Michelle. Michelle. Then we've got the child. You remember who was in the seat? Stephanie. We have the teenager, DJ, and we have the dad, Danny, who was played by Bob Saget. Now you're saying, why is there only one adult? There should be two adults in the family. That's another message. That's not today's message. Not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to give different categories setting up the stage, right? Okay, so we've got an, a range of ages here. We've got the child, excuse me, the baby, the child, the adolescent, and the adult. So every part of the household is loved, right? So if you're a baby, are you loved? Often much more unconditionally than if you're anyone else, <laughs> right? You can poop in your pants and everyone goes, oh. well, most people, except the people who've got to clean it up go, oh, that's so sweet. You make weird noises and nobody questions you, right? So, I'm going to, this is way too big. Shannon, I need an iPad when I preach. When you come back, can I borrow your iPad? So when we're born again, our spirit is made perfect. It doesn't grow up. Now, our bodies physically grow, right? Some of you can attest to that. Anyone know the aging process does not stop? That is involuntary. But there's this middle ground that we call the soul. How many of you know some immature souls that are walking around in old bodies? How many of you know some old souls that are walking around in kids' bodies? You know what I mean when I say that? Some people who appear much older than they are, and then some people who act a whole lot younger. I mean, way younger. I'm not pointing fingers at you, Mary. <laughs> I love you, Mary. She loves me too. We did not prearrange that, so this is legitimate. I really do love you, Mary. I really do love you. Okay, if I had to ask you, are you mature? What is your answer? How, okay, so it's interesting because until yesterday, everybody was mature. But today, now that we have to think about it, now I'm like, I'm not so sure. The truth of the matter is, you're as mature as you've ever been. You've never been more mature. But that does not mean it is a set thing. You are not as mature as you'll be a year from now. I hope. You hope. We all hope, please, everybody. We don't want you to stop here where you're at right now. So we all believe that we're mature. Then, then um, in, in secular psychology, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down on this chair. It just happens to be the adult chair, but it doesn't mean I'm an adult all the time. Um, in secular psychology, there's this phrase or this concept called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And basically what that is is, let me read the definition here for you. Put on your school hats, everybody. Uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect, a cognitive bias whereby people limit with limited knowledge or competence in a given intellectual or social domain 
greatly overestimate their own knowledge or competence in that domain relative to the objective criteria or to the performance of their peers or of people in general. How many of you are glad you're not back in school? Okay, what that basically means is immature people think they're mature. Immature people think they're mature. I'm not going to ask the parents of teenagers to raise their hands, but you know what I mean, right? Okay. It also means that people who are actually mature recognize that they don't know it all. That is the converse of that thing, right? People who think they know it all don't. And people who know that they don't know it all probably know more than those people who think they do. So, Karen, how dare you quote, you know, psychology, secular psychology, we're in church, you're not supposed to have any of those conversations. Well, I've got news for you. That thing, Dunning-Kruger effect, also applies to psychology. It applies to people who do not yet know God and that he is real and they haven't eaten any spiritual broccoli or humble pie and they still have some advanced math to go through. So don't worry about them. They can get something right without being completely perfect. Just like you and me. Amen? So the point is, immature believe they're mature. We want to be older than we are. I want to be, I want to, I want to appear like I am more mature than I am. Who dressed up as a kid? Okay, who was 15 and dressed up like they were 18 so they could get in somewhere they shouldn't? Not just you, Mary. I'm sure it wasn't just you. <laughs> who took the car keys before you had the driver's license? Not just you, Mary. Who wanted to be older before you were old? It goes like this. When you're three, you want to be seven. When you're seven, you want to be 12. When you're 12, you want to be 16. When you're 16, you want to be 21. And when you get to 29, you just stop counting because you don't want to be any older. You just stop at 29. Everybody's 29, right? Almost, except for those couple that are still younger than that. So turn with me, if you would. Uh, we're going to go to some scripture here. Uh, look at your friends. Look at your neighbors and say, it's okay to be immature temporarily. We all start out immature. You don't start out grown up. The only people who started out grown up were Adam and Eve. And they went, God put them on and they were completely mature. Able to take responsibility, because he gave them responsibility. Able to bear fruit, because they had kids. We all start at the beginning and grow from a tiny seed, go through the whole process, poop in the pants. You know what I mean? So there is no one who's exempt from starting at immaturity. So don't look down on immaturity like, well, I'm more mature than you are. Chances are, if you're actually that mature, you've figured out that it's your job to help raise someone who's immature. Not just to look down at them and say, I'm your older sister. You don't know anything. You can't teach me a thing. I'm not talking about my kids. My kids aren't. Ethan, are you in the room? I don't know where Ethan is. He's probably in the back room. In the production room. 
Hey, Ethan, I'm talking about you. Danielle will watch this later because she's serving in, in nursery. And she had no idea I was going to bring her up, so she hates being brought up. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you thirsty? We're going to go to the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2 in the ESV. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 and 3. It says, like newborn infants long for pure pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In the Passion Translation, it says this. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into, maturi into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. I love that picture. If you've ever... Uh, who drank milk? I mean... You all did. Stop lying. You all did. There's not one of you who didn't drink milk and start there. But I love the picture that it's got here specifically for us. We grow up from drinking that, by drinking that. We never stop drinking milk to some degree, unless you're lactose intelligent, I mean intolerant. You do not stop growing from God's word. But you have to have God's word to grow. You cannot grow apart from his word, not in truth and not in spirit, right? You can grow old, you can grow mature, you can grow crabby, you can grow all those things. But you cannot grow up spiritually in your soul. In other words, your spirit filling up your soul. Let's look at some of these here. You guys know these ones here. Um, Romans 12, we're not going to turn there, but you know it. Romans 12 too, where it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, other scriptures where it talks about growing up in Christ, growing in Christ. You guys know these scriptures. I'm not, we're not going to go through all thousand of them. If you want to do a thing, you absolutely, a, a, an exhaustive study there, are, pull up your app and you can find them. Let's take a look. Um, what does a baby say? Not very good communicators. They're not very good communicators. They cannot tell you what they really need, but they can tell you that they need something, right? They are in distress. They cry a lot, a lot. Anybody at that stage? We've got no babies in the house. It's because it's raining. That's why. They're all staying home today. Babies need to be spoon-fed. Everybody get out your airplanes. Open wide. Oh, open Babies need to have food put in their mouths. They cannot even feed themselves. Babies do not clean up their own messes, a.k.a. diapers and below the high chair. We used to go to a restaurant, and I had this cool little tool that was like a little mini sweeper, and you could just pick up all the crumbs underneath the thing because I can tell you what, the rest of the table was perfect, and underneath where the baby sat, right? Lots of stuff. Babies have no impulse control whatsoever. They want what they want, and they want it now. They put everything in their mouth, even the bad stuff. They don't know what's good and what's not good. They'll just eat anything. Are you seeing any parallels here between actual babies and spiritual growth? 
um, Alan Spiegel, who was the pastor here, gosh, it's probably about 15 years ago, Alan used the same illustration of the dining room table, and he had what he called the eye chair. Not the high chair, the eye chair, because it is all about me. And do you know any I, all about me, Christians? I don't like it. I don't want that. I don't eat broccoli. I want chicken nuggets. We're getting there. We're getting there. They sit in the eye chair. Those are the babies. Now we move to the, the, the children, right? Stephanie's age or... I'm not going to put dates on this. You know why? Because spiritual growth does not have anything to do with ages. So we're not calling, we're not calling numbers out. Does this sound like somebody you know? A child, a spiritual child. They have learned how to put food in their mouth, but only what's put in front of them. They'll take what you teach them. They ain't going to go look for anything else. If you're not there to make a meal, they will starve, right? Do you know any starving Christians? They ask why a lot. They question everything. They whine a lot about the rain. I mean, I'm, hey, I did it. I'll own it. I'll own it. They have not yet mastered cleaning up their own messes. They figured out that they don't make messes everywhere and they started potty training, but they still need somebody to come and wipe them. They still need somebody to hold their hand. And that's okay. I'm, listen, if, if this says, oh, that's me sometimes, that's okay. You are loved, you are valued, you are welcome in this family. But own the fact that you're not the dad and have it all. And that's hard, right? It's hard for, it's hard for a kid because we want to be like daddy and we want to be like mommy. So we'll pretend all day long. And then we need to go and take a nap. We'll take naps later. Naps are coming. Children are eager to start many things. They do a lot. They start a lot, but they don't finish very much. I see that in me sometimes. And it's not just a personality thing. It's a maturity thing. It's a, I thought I could do this and then I ran out of energy. Anybody have that? They say, watch me a lot. They want to be seen. They want their performance to be acknowledged and they want the applause and the accolade. They do stuff so that people will give them recognition. And if they're not watched, oh boy, watch out. They will pitch a fit. Anybody know anybody like that? Not me. Not me. I never do that. Like I said, buckle up. This is, not, this is just recognizing where I may be. There are times when I act like a kid spiritually. And I'm like, okay. The Bible tells me when I was a child, 
I behave, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I had to put away childish things. That is a choice. That is not automatic. That is something that when I recognize childish behavior in myself, I have to choose to say, wow, that's immature. That's not going to bear any good fruit. That's not going to make my relationships whole. That's not going to lead to what God calls abundant life. I should put that away. I'm not angry at you if you're not mature. I love you. I'm not mature all the time either. Good? How are your toes? How's that seatbelt holding up? Now, are you sitting there saying, well, I'm so much more mature than you? Are you? I'm just asking. Because maybe you are. How are you helping me if you're that much more mature? Like I said, how are your toes? Okay. Adolescence. We've got some adolescents in the room. Guys, this is for you. We love you. You are almost at adult age. This doesn't mean this is who you are. Because there are a lot of grown-ups that act like adolescents. Am I right? Teenagers, am I right? You know some grown-ups that act like teenagers? Okay, okay, good. The adolescent has matured slightly. Uh, they've been going through noticeable changes. They, so there is evidence that there is life and things are, are changing. Uh, they no longer wear diapers. Hallelujah. Um, they feed themselves, but they choose fast food and microwave food because, hey, who's got time for real cooking? So they'll snack, spiritual snacks. They'll read their one-page-a-day devotional and check, I'm done. I did my chores. I mean, my spiritual chores, right? Okay. They want to be independent so badly. Like, I want to be able to drive. And we're, we're at that stage right now where Danielle's told us she's already on the countdown clock. She's like, Mom, um, I can actually go to go and write my permit test in less than six months. And I'm like, oh. I'm not ready for you to get behind the steering wheel, especially when I see who's all driving on the roads over here. And You know what I mean. Adolescents despise household chores. They would do anything they can to get out of it. Somebody else's fault. I mean, they will even pay someone else to do them. You can't pay someone else to do your spiritual growing. In case you thought that that was what an offering box was for, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Adolescents believe they know better. Like I said, the immature know that they're mature. They ask, why should I listen to you? Ooh, I've done that. I've asked specifically, why do I need to listen to you? I don't need anybody to teach me. The truth of the matter is, if that's my attitude, I won't even listen to the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher. I will not, that is not a gross attitude. 
that is a, I got it all. You've got nothing that you can contribute and add to my life. I am self-sufficient. Attitude. When you make a mistake, they will remind you of it over and over and over again. And they will use it as justification for making their own mistakes. I literally had somebody tell me one time when I said to them, Honey, I, don't want, you to, I want you to learn from my mistakes. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. They said to me, I want to make my own mistakes. So they did. And of course, I'm thinking, oh, wow. You're choosing pain because you don't want to hear about my pain. You're choosing to make your life suck long term because you don't want to learn from my mistakes. Anybody done that? Anybody gone around the mountain with that a time or two? Anybody not learned from your own mistakes? Me too. <laughs> and when you try and teach them, they'll say, you just don't understand. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Are you sitting here today looking at me saying, what does she know? She just doesn't understand. You just don't understand. I am younger than some of you. Some of you. And I did already tell you, this message is for me. So I'm not bringing any condemnation to you. Today, this message is about you and God. You're at this table with me. And whether I'm sitting in that seat, this seat, that seat, or this seat, you're sitting at a seat too. And we get to live life together. That's how a family works. If you watch the Full House show, you know there are lots of adventures. If you've been in church anytime, anybody had any adventures in church? Disagreements? Sibling rivalry? You did not just say sibling rivalry in church. We're brothers and sisters. Let me fact check you for a second. Actually, I'm not going to fact check you. We'll read some scripture in just a second. Teenagers are moved, literally, by their feelings, their friends, and the prevailing culture. Is that what moves you? Because if that is the case, if your emotions are what dictates your spiritual growth, or if your friends are what limit your spiritual growth, or if the prevailing culture is what guides your spiritual growth, you're not as mature as you think you are. You may feel independent, but where is that road going? Let's talk about the adult. Any adults in here? And I noticed no one raises their hand because nobody knows what I've said yet. So they're like, ooh, do I? Do I not? Do I put my hand up? Because if I do, then, then everybody's going to look at me like I've got it all together. See, I don't. Okay, let's talk about the adults. As I read this list, for yourself, not for me, for yourself, take note of your responses to this list. If you have this knee-jerk, uh-uh, response, just take note of it. You don't have to report it to me. You don't have, this is for you and you alone, okay? Taking responsibility. 
for your stuff. Doing the work. Providing for yourself. Able to delay gratification. Those credit card companies, they are against you. They want you to buy now, pay forever and ever and ever. You know that pay later thing? It's not later, it's forever. That's what they should actually write there. Because as soon as you fall in that trap, it is a long, hard road to get out of that. Adults are able to delay gratification. Adults are able to see long range. They don't just look at today. They go, oh my goodness, we've got a whole month. We've got to make it last a whole month. Kids go, oh, I've got money in my pocket, let's go spend it. Or I've got time, I don't need to do anything. What do you mean plant seeds in the ground and wait for three months for them to grow? No ways, I've got game to play. Adults understand how people need each other. Adults communicate in order to preserve relationships, restore relationships. They're willing to have hard conversations, not just the talk, but lots of talks. Adults are willing to have hard conversations. Why? Because they want to preserve relationship. Adults are willing, no, Adults are able to reproduce and willing to take the responsibility. Now, the teenagers are like, well, we could have kids too if you wanted to. Yeah, baby, but it's not smart. You could have a baby, but are you willing to pay for everything that it's going to take? So adults are willing and able to reproduce. And I don't mean actual babies, guys. I mean disciples. Man, it's quiet in here. I hear that fan blowing back there. Willing and able to reproduce. And willing, most of the time, to clean up other people's messes. Well, they shouldn't have to. They should just grow up themselves. Yeah, they should. But if you told your baby that when they had a poopy diaper, you wouldn't be a very good adult. It's your job to say, okay, poopy diapers are okay up till this stage. Now we're going to try this. And then once you've mastered the pull-up, then we're going to sit on the potty. And no, you cannot run around. You've got to wait. Just keep waiting. You know. So you're going to go through, you're going to take someone through the growing up process. That's part of responsibility, adulting. Adults pass on their heritage and they leave a legacy. Okay. How many of you have seen the memes about adulting? I don't want to adult today. It's become a, it's become a thing. It's become a phrase that people say, not in that, I'm not into that adulting thing anymore. I want to turn that badge back in. We have a Peter Pan complex where we think we can never grow up. The truth of the matter is, if you never grow up, you live in Never Neverland, and you probably don't have a house, and you probably don't have a car, and you probably got an alligator with a ticking clock chasing you all the time. 
Anybody experience that? Like you can just not get away from the, the, the bad choices that are always chasing you. Okay. You were designed to grow up physically. You were designed. You weren't designed to get old. You were actually designed to live forever. But your body is getting older. Ladies, I'm not going to do what the gents need to do. I don't even know what the gents need to do. I don't know any old gentlemen. You're welcome. <laughs> Growing up, in the Greek, it's a word, uh, it's pronounced oxano, and it says this, and, and, and this is the biblical usage for this word, because the, the, uh, the scripture talks about growing. To cause to grow, to augment, to increase, to become greater, increase of plants, of infants, of a multitude of people, and of inward Christian growth. You were designed to grow. You were designed to grow inwardly. That part of your spirit that is perfect to take over the part of your mind, will, and emotions that has yet to grow up. Because that's where the growing up happens, is in your soul. It happens in your soul, not your body, not your spirit. We good? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 through 4 says this in the Passion family. I'm going to read this before we go through that scripture. I'm just going to say this here. You were designed to grow, but not in isolation. You were put in a family to do so. Welcome to the family. Brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. When I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. Ouch! You know what Paul actually says? I was with you and you were kids. You were acting like kids. You were quarreling. You were jealous. You were picking sides. Hmm. We think, we think in terms of playground, like there's one side or another, one church or another. Do you know there may be different places where the church meets, but there is the church only. A church down the road is not our competition. Did you hear me? If we understood that the church, the church is the body of Christ, and each part has its part to play, we could stop bickering with other Christians. Because we have a full revelation. We know it all, right? We can argue with all the Christians who don't know everything we know. Guess what? They're thinking the exact same thing. No, you. No, you. No, you. 
I can just imagine if God had a car and we were sitting in the back seat, he would say, Joe, make me stop this car. <laughs> Ephesians 4. I don't have that there, but I'm going to pull it up quickly while I lie. Can you pull it up for me? Because it's easier for, you to, for me to read it off the screen. Ephesians 4, verse 13. Actually, let's go back to about uh, Ephesians 4, verse 8. We'll see if my memory works. I'm jumping on Joy here. I'm sorry, Joy. Can you find it? Oh, it's up. There you go. Uh, okay, let's go to 9. It's not that one. Oh, I may, I'll just tell you. Pull up all of Ephesians 4 and we'll find out where it is. It starts off for this reason. Who knows when I, where I'm going with this? One more. There you go. To bring um, this, this same one who's descended is also the one who ascended above the heights in heaven in order to bring restoration and fulfillment of all things. Let's go to the next one. And he has appointed some with a grace or gift to be apostles, some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, and some with the grace to be pastors and teachers. Some with the grace to be teachers. Verse 12. And their calling is to nurture, raise, grow up, prepare all of the holy believers or saints to do their own work of the ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Verse 13. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness or unity in the faith until we all experience the fullness or maturity of what it means to know the Son of God until we finally, we become one in the perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Your church family is the family that's raising you. There are gifts that are in the body to help all of us. Not just those of us who are uh, old, mature, to help everyone to get there. There is a goal to which we are called and encouraged. Am I right? Well, I just come for the coffee. I hope you like the coffee. You didn't come to church for the coffee. You didn't come to church. Now, is coffee cool? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we're called to break bread, and I guess coffee fits somewhere in that. Maybe it's like communion wine. Some of us drink it like it's wine. I, I, some of us uh, go off it like it's wine, right? And if you have caffeine withdrawals sometimes and you feel like you've gone to rehab, okay, just me. On days that I don't drink coffee, I'm like, and I only have one cup, one cup. Maybe one's too much. I digress. Okay, let me get back on track. Um, as adults, parents, this is for you, our job is to protect and to provide for. And then there's this other part that really sucks, disciplining and correcting. If you're in the house and 
you don't like correction, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you like receiving correction? How many of you like giving correction? Less of you. I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay. I wish that all of you understood. I wish that my kids understood. I don't want to correct them. I don't want to have to correct them. I just want them to know what the right thing is and do it. Am I right? I don't want to have to get on to you for the 20,000th time to wash your hands, Ethan. I'll still hold your hand when you pray. I don't want to have to remind you, right? I, I want you to get to a place where you just know it. And don't just tell me that you know it. Actually, do it. How many of you know somebody who knows so much spiritually and yet absolutely none of it is in practice in their, in their life? You know anybody like that? That you don't have to look in the mirror at? I mean, there's times... Did I tell you guys the Preparation H story? Okay, so I had no idea what Preparation H was. And one day... Uh, I felt like God said to me, that's like carrying Preparation H in your back pocket. And I was like, what does that even mean? I don't know what that means. So it took me a couple of years. I mean, I remember thinking, huh, okay, carrying Preparation H in your back pocket. Okay, I don't know what that means. Never went and looked it up, never went and figured anything out. Then I found out what Preparation H was for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, if you need it, you really do need it. And then I started thinking, okay, so Preparation H... It's great if it's in your back pocket, but if you do not apply what you already have, it does you no good. It's like carrying Preparation H in your back pocket. Anybody carrying Preparation H? You don't have to raise your hands. You do not have to raise your hands. But, but for real, if you do not apply what you already know, what good is it that you went to Bible school for 20 years or whatever. What good is it that you've been a Christian for 50 years if you're not applying what you already know? You're going to have a <clears throat> squirrely time. What can I say? Right? I told you to buckle up. You still buckled? Okay. This is like the ride at Disney. I hope you're buckled all the way in Titan. Crank down on that bar so you don't go flying out your seats here. I don't want anybody to like fly out the window in this. Okay. Hebrews 12 verse 11 in the Passion Translation says, now all discipline seems to be painful at the time and yet later it will produce a transformation of character bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Now, I've always thought of that in terms of me being the one receiving discipline. But I want to take us another step, if you would, with me. If I'm a parent and I don't yield to disciplining, in other words, if I don't believe in disciplining, I will not administer it and I will not experience the harvest of righteousness and the peace, as well as the one who should have received the discipline 
will not receive a harvest of righteousness and will not experience peace. But I just want to be their friend. I don't want to have to have a hard conversation. I do not want to put them in time out. I do not want to take stuff away from them. I had stuff taken away from me. So therefore I won't. I'm going to do the opposite. How many of you have realized that if you parent exactly the way that you were raised or exactly the opposite, you end up with some screwed up? Am I right? We all grew up in a dysfunctional family. Somebody did something not perfect. Dr. Henry Cloud says it's Adam's family. What, oh, wait, no, I don't, you guys know what I mean, right? It's a dysfunctional family. Nobody gets it right. And particularly if you're adamantly going to not do it the way that your parents did it and adamantly do it exactly the same way, both of those two ditches are going to lead to trouble. Will you listen to the Holy Spirit so that he can show you per child, per situation, what to do? Because my two children are different. One of them is motivated extremely differently than the other one. Ethan wants to be with people. He, if you asked him to be by himself, he would not be happy. If you asked Danielle to be by herself, she'd be like, thank you, yes, please. But if you tell Danielle, I did this yesterday, I said to Danielle, Danielle, five minutes. If you're late, I'm going to fine you $20. She was there, like, with seconds to spare because she is super motivated by money. Like, I do not want to have to pay a fine for anything. So she's motivated differently. And Ethan's like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't know the value of money yet. Maybe that should be one of those. Well, we passed that already. I saw a meme once that said, if you raise your children, you get to spoil your grandkids. If you spoil your children, you get to raise your grandkids. If you raise your children, you get to spoil your grandchildren. But if you spoil your children, you get to raise your grandkids. Okay, no condemnation. If you are raising grandkids, you got another chance. Because none of us has arrived. Amen? Okay. I'm going to skip over um, one scripture. We'll come back to that one another time. 1 Corinthians... 14 verse 20 says this, Beloved ones, do not remain as immature children in your reasoning. As it relates to evil, be like newborn, be like babies. But in your thinking, be mature adults. Jesus commanded childlike faith. Childlike faith. Not childlike speech childlike reasoning, childlike thinking, childlike faith. So how can we have the innocence, here it says, it, as it relates to evil, be innocent as newborns, have the faith of a child, have the energy of a teenager, I don't know, maybe it's the zeal of the young man from, from the Old Testament, but in your thinking, be mature. That sounds like a good package there, right? So you mean I don't just have to be one specific thing? Well, 
what is God giving you the grace for? What I do know is none of it comes without humility. None of it comes without Him. When we are immature, we don't play well with others. It's mine. No, it's mine. I had it first. We don't get along with other people. They're always in our space. Quit touching me. Right? I know you're smiling because you know someone who's like that. And maybe it's not you. Now, Paul does say, as far as it is possible for you to live in peace with all men, it's, always, it's not always your fault. There are other people who are provokers, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, who will say, he touched me first. Okay, well, don't respond. Just ignore him. Let him be immature. You be mature, right? Okay. When we are immature, we don't like being corrected. When we are immature, we don't take responsibility. When we are immature, we don't know wrong from right. Karen, are you saying that we're all supposed to be mature? No, we're all supposed to get mature. But you can't be 15 if you haven't been 14. You can't be 12 if you haven't been 10. Where are you? Where are you? And if you go, well, I'm not always like that, but sometimes I respond that way. Maybe you are mature and you're just not putting away childish things when it's time to put away childish things. There's no condemnation for any one of us that are in Christ, that are at this table. We are part of God's family. But we've got to look at ourselves and say, I am loved. Just because I'm loved doesn't mean that I'm lovely. Because some days I'm not lovely. Can you be loved and not lovely? Ask your children. Some days my children are not lovely. And I need God's grace. And Shannon sometimes is not lovely. And I bet you he would tell you that I'm not lovely sometimes. But am I loved? Am I loved? Am I able to understand that when God says to me, babe, you need to look at this. He's not doing it because he doesn't love me. He's doing it because he loves me. When, when we tell our kids, don't do this, it's not to make their lives harder. It's to make their lives easier. And ours. But theirs, easier. I don't want you to go to jail. I want you to know that you can't get what you want whenever you want it. You can't take what you want. It's somebody else's. I want your life to be better. Now, Jesus says this. In John 15, verse 7 through 11 in the Passion Translation, Jesus says this. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you. Then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you will demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I love each and every one of you with the same love that the Father loves me. 
every one of you. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually lived, nourished, and empowered by his love. This is not a one-time snapshot thing. This is a journey. And no matter where you are on the journey, you are loved. You are loved. You are valued. You are accepted. You may not always be acceptable, and your behavior may not be acceptable, but you are part of his family. I want you to ask yourself, close your eyes for just a second. I want you to ask yourself, am I prepared to look at myself without condemnation and know that I am loved, I am approved, I'm a valued member of God's family, and to recognize where there are areas of immaturity in my life so that I can continue to grow in grace and in favor with God and with man. There are areas that God has got grace for you for today. And it doesn't matter if, if you feel like, I'm, I'm just a baby, I don't know what I'm doing, I've, my life is a mess, everything is, I don't know how to feed myself, I don't know how to read the word, I don't know how to do any of these things. Somebody show me. Somebody will show you. If you just quit fussing and throwing a tantrum and look for somebody who says, let me help you. If you would sit still long enough to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, he will lead you. If you can recognize, like I did, there is so much more to learn. I may know a lot, but boy, there is a lot that I don't know. And it's not about knowing. It's about growing. Father, thank you that today you have given us something to think about, a place to start a framework upon which to actually evaluate, wow, sometimes I do behave like a baby, or that wasn't a very mature response, or, man, am I stuck in adolescence? Am I at a place where I want to duplicate, replicate, make disciples, help other people, experience God's love, walk on a journey with them, take them to a place where they are making disciples. Father, I thank you that no matter where we are in this room today, you meet us where we are, that you have got wisdom for us if we are humble, that you have got guidance for us if we will listen. And that, Father, that your love does not and never will change. Father, I thank you that today every single one of us can stand 
as your children, loved, accepted, and valuable. I wanna encourage you, stand to your feet if you would. I want you to make a declaration with me today. Keep your eyes closed. Say, Father God, I am your child because I have received Jesus by faith. I know that I do not have to be perfect because you are perfect. And I thank you, Father, that in your perfection, you lead me to maturity. Today I commit to go on that walk, to let your voice, your Holy Spirit be my teacher, to understand the fellowship of my body, my family, my brothers and my sisters, that together we live in your house. Together a full house.